right, guys, welcome back to the Blessed Adventure podcast. Today, we are interviewing April McMillan. She owns a yoga yoga studio, and she has a nonprofit in honor of her son. So without further ado, let's have this conversation. All right, April, thank you so much for coming today. So first, what business do you own? Tell me a bit about yourself, sure. the nonprofit, the yoga studio. Sure. So um, in June of this year, I am the steward and founder of Anahata Mosaic. It is a yoga wellness community located in Marysville, Ohio. We opened our doors on June 1st. We did a virtual format in May online for, for some individuals. And from that point, we we haven't really looked back. We've been, um, since June, we have started with roughly what started out as about six classes a week um, to recently, we are now sitting at about 15 to 16 classes a week, wow. including a kids program um, that we do once a week. And I went from being the only instructor to there are now five of us. That's so, incredible. Yeah, it's it's. I will say that in in light of the pandemic, it's very humbling to yeah. to sit and and see where we started and and where we're going. But I believe that the studio was was our call to action to better balance a mental and physical wellness. And and truthfully, it it couldn't the introduction of it couldn't come in at a better time on a global scale, if you will, of of what many people need at this point in their life. Mm-hmm. So so the yoga studio is going well. We we have a lot of different things that we offer. The yoga studio is is kind of my personal call to action of about balancing both my mental and physical wellness. It came in in the wake of of if you will kind of the the worst day of our life. When on September 23rd, our family lost our oldest son, um, Isaac, to suicide. Um, the night that Isaac died, we believe that he had an undiagnosed encephalitis that compromised his depression and anxiety further. And since that day, we, we've kind of, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure which one gets more energy because I feel like they, they both get quite a bit, but between the yoga studio and his nonprofit, they, they somehow work together to keep promoting this, this balance of mental and physical Mm -hmm. wellness. So in his nonprofit, you know, it's very much integrated into the studio space. You see signs of his logo and things throughout. We hold our, our meetings with our community members or he who laughs there in the studio. And we also, from a wellness perspective, we do a lot of different things. We have massage, we have Reiki, we have aroma touch. We have a lot of things to balance out the notion of what wellness looks like and that it's not just a physical wellness, but what it is to calm the mind, to calm the body, and to to really what what is it to be present in the moment. Wow. You probably didn't always think you were going to own a business because of where you were or was that always on the forefront of your mind? I think so after Isaac died, I did stop teaching for about a month or so. Okay. Um, and, and that was really, I think it was probably a fair question that people asked, um, would I go back? Because so much of what I do in, in instructing and holding that space for people is very much heartfelt and heart led. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think it's a fair question to ask, could I, in the wake of my worst loss, really go back and be that vulnerable and do what I needed to as an instructor? Sure. And so absolutely, like, not only was there a question, could I teach? But I think the question was, you know, it was never on the forefront to own a space. Mm-hmm. But then in the wake of my own healing and in the wake of, of holding those 
those really fragile pieces and realizing that a lot of people were right there beside of me, even though it's not something we talk about every day, but yet we all seem to be holding a similar space and, and needing that connection. And so it was in my own healing, I think, that we decided to jump. We trusted in something that we couldn't see. We had a lot of feedback from people that were like, oh, it would be great. I, I think this is a good idea. But it took, I mean, he, so Isaac died in September and it was March of 2020 that we, we started. So it, it took several months of deciding whether or not it was, was the right fit, the right balance perhaps. And had you opened already when the pandemic hit? So in March, we went ahead and agreed to our lease. Okay. And two weeks later, the state of Ohio shut down. (laughs) So that would have been a really interesting um, reflection period and that I could have we, we easily could have said, oh, this is not going to go well. We're, we're going to stop. We're not going to move forward. Sure. I think when you and I had talked previously, there was this notion, though, that I, I can't describe it because I feel like it's, it's beyond what we, what we see or can touch. It's mm-hmm. just this feeling. And there was just something about acquiring that space that I felt that it was the right fit for our family. Mm-hmm. It was the right fit for the the contents of my heart and what the intention of the space was going to fulfill. And even in the pandemic and all of the, the craziness that was going on and all the unknowns, I, I feel like myself and my husband were just, we were steadfast in, in what was before us. Yeah. And, and we really haven't looked back. Wow. I think the pandemic brought a whole new light kind of. For Mm -hmm. everybody and in different ways. Mm -hmm. So you guys overcame all that too, along with a lot of other things. So, so how old is your son? So we have, we have two boys. It would be Isaac and Gabriel. Isaac was 18 when he died and Gabriel is now 19. So our two boys are 11 months apart. How's Gabriel doing? I think Gabe, like many of us, we, we try to just take each day as it comes. Mm -hmm. Um, Gabe was very instrumental with his dad in helping us transform the space. And it was an opportunity in the pandemic that we did a lot of processing of our thoughts and feelings. Um, we talked about the signs from from Isaac as things progressed. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the hardest thing, if you were to ask Gabe, what he shared with us is he said, it the hardest part of losing him was not just losing my best friend, but people don't know how to let me be sad. Oh. Like they want, they want to fix things. Um, but they don't understand that this isn't something you, you can fix. You, you have to hold it. Right. Yeah. And, and so it was a very, and unfortunately, you know, Gabe was 17 when, when Isaac died. Okay. And so it was his senior year. And oh. I think it, it's, it's an awful lot for anyone to, to hold in life. But at that age, those are the things that you're just not, you're not supposed to hold. Yeah. And he is resilient. He, we've learned, I think, how to kind of watch some of his nonverbals. We continue to have some of those tough conversations just to check in on his mental, mental health Mm -hmm. about things. But we have taken in from the worst day of our lives and really have, have strived to normalize our, our grief talk with each other and how we hold space. And, 
in the introduction of new traditions, myself, my husband, and Gabe all have said that our our life is now divided into life with Isaac and life after, not mm-hmm. life without Isaac. And in, because his presence is still here, it is. But we've had to transform what that looks right. like, and that's that has been it, between the nonprofit, the yoga space, us as a family trying to navigate what those waters look like. We have we've had to transform what that relationship looks like because we know that he is he is very much spiritually and energetically present. Yeah, but it's that physical part that you have to recognize that the the attachment isn't to the physical presence. It's yeah. it's that presence of energy energy that you can't contain any longer. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess this these two kind of tie in together for you, but just managing your time and also giving because you mm-hmm. own a business and you it's it is one-on-one. Mm-hmm. The yoga, it's spiritual and mm-hmm. healing and all those things. So, you are in, involved in with these people. Mm-hmm. So, do you ever feel like it consumes your time or do you have some time where you, you just, you space it out and you still have time for yourself? And yeah, does it consume you basically? <laughs> or your family? I, I think that, I think anytime you own a business, it is always easy for it to consume you. Sure. Because when something goes wrong or somebody can't, you know, teach a class, whether it's because they're sick or they have their own family, their own life emergency, you, you jump in. And, and I think that sometimes you you jump in you of course you always have the option to cancel something that's that's never ideal but you that is an option but i think that in all of those things you you begin to to understand that in owning a business like this and then also um promoting a nonprofit that has similar weight in terms of of its mental and physical wellness mm-hmm. components they do consume you and, and there are times that you very much have to step away and have to set boundaries. And there are certain anniversary milestones that we as a family, I'm very transparent with the yoga community, like on Isaac's date of death, his anniversary, we closed the space. Mm-hmm. And, and I just made it very transparent to them that this was a day that I needed to be present for my family. And this was a day I needed to be present for myself. And that I wanted them in, in terms of yoga, because yoga isn't just being on the mat. It's not just being in the studio. I wanted them to go and be present with, with people that matter to them Mm -hmm. and, and to encourage that even though it is a day that is very laden with sorrow for us could be a day full of joy for you and and to please go live that. Yeah. And so it, it is, it's, it's always kind of an ebb and a flow. It's, you know, people, I will say the people that fill the space are very respectful of, I think, where we need to sometimes pause mm-hmm. and the balance. I think the hardest part is in this day and age with technology is that, you know, the studio number is my cell phone. And there are times where I wish that I could just turn it off. But when I'm not teaching and the instructors are there, I, I still need to be available. Yeah. So it's, it's learning how to go, okay, so the phone is on. Maybe I'm just going to silent, silence it and only check in every so yeah. often. Yeah. I trust all of our instructors that if an emergency arises, they, they know what to do. They know how to handle things. Mm-hmm. And it's it's part of having a community of people that you can trust and that journey with you in all of these pieces. So um, speaking of your instructors, mm-hmm. so did you kind of just advertise that you were looking for instructors or did you know them? How did that all play out? 
I think that with the intention of the space, it it is definitely more of a work-in kind of environment. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of slower practices. We do breath work. We do meditation. We we do a lot of restorative yoga, some yin yoga. Um, we, We have your flows and we have some power yoga. We do yoga fusion, which is like a combination of your your bar, your yoga, Pilates, and strength-based exercises all in one class. Yeah. So in, in those formats that each time that we were at a junction that we could grow, we were selective about where we wanted to grow, what that looked like. Mm-hmm. In honoring the intention of the space and moving with each step forward, you know, what would that look like? So all of the instructors I've known, some I have met in the wake of our loss, who have shared similar losses. And there are others that um, have been very involved with us prior to. Um, and so they knew all of our family. Mm-hmm. And so it it really creates from the foundation up this, this essence of community. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Are you in a networking group of women or do you do that for other women? I know that you're already surrounded. Sure. You know, just with your studio and outside of that. So I would say that I, there is one in Marysville. I get the emails for it, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times yoga is taught in the afternoons and the evenings. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's not like I can readily attend. I try very hard to, to be physically present when I can and in different capacities. Um, We do a lot of partnership things with like currently right now, the yoga studio um, has, we we had a giving tree that went up at probably about the middle part of November. And our partnership was with big brothers, big sisters of union County. And we asked for them to give us kind of their, their wish list. Mm -hmm. And we put it on little gift tags, put them on the tree and all of our members took the tags and so wow. this weekend, we're actually going to have a, a wrap party, socially distanced, uh-huh. but we're going to to help wrap those gifts for big brothers and big sisters and, and love on the community, keeping it local. So again, it's it's hard because I feel like as much as we have this yoga business and, and the stewardship of this, this community space, there are parts of the nonprofit for Isaac that very much trickle through and connect us to different entities. Mm-hmm that allow us to love on the community and have become kind of like a networking connection very unintentionally, but it becomes this organic kind of this organic connection that has flourished. Mm -hmm. And we're just really grateful that there is, it it works the way that it has so far. We're very blessed in that sense. So talk about the giving tree. Is it for kids and their families? Oh my, wow. So there were probably over, I want to say maybe between 30 and 40 gift tags on uh-huh. the tree. And and they were um, very specific in, in the focus, um, cultivating family time, human connection, those kinds of things. And our, our members, many of them took two or three tags and said, absolutely, like this, let's give Sorry. back to the community. And I'm just grateful that in in cultivating mental and physical wellness, we also have cultivated what it is to hold space and to give when we can. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite biblical that it says when you can give, you give. Yeah. Um, you don't wait two or three weeks and then give. You, right. you give you at the give. time when yeah. it presents because you're able. And and we have members that they, they give above and beyond wow. um, because they have a, a gracious 
heart. It just sounds like you've you've your hands in so many different things. It's incredible hearing your story. But your the giving tree was in Union County. Yeah, it's so it was in our studio in the lobby. So Union County is fairly smaller. It's I'm not well, it's very it's very rural. Yeah. I mean, it has three, you know, Fairbanks is considered one of the largest school districts because of how far its reach is, not in terms of of size of like students, mm-hmm. but the the ground that the district covers sure. is is relatively large. I mean, it goes from Plain City to Irwin, Milford Center, Unionville Center to parts of Marysville. Yeah. Has a very wide reach all the way down Watkins Road all the way to 42 as you head in towards Delaware, mm-hmm. even. So it's it's a very diversified county, but it's very rural. I mean, it's very agriculturally right. driven, very much like Madison. Our members come from all over Union County. Some come from Madison. Mm-hmm. They they come over. And so that's that's the other cool part. You know, when we when we developed the studio and we're designing our brand with the, the marketing team, there was there was a lot of questions about the intention of our space. And and so when we were asking when we asked ourselves specifically, what did we want to cultivate? It was yoga, wellness, and community. Yeah. And and we have stuck true to that in, in each milestone of growth or the introduction of a partnership, mm-hmm. um, whether it comes through the studio itself or it trickles through um, from He Who Laughs. It all ties in together. Yeah. So a failure in business, what would that be? You know, I it's funny because that was one when I reviewed the list of things that you had said, this will kind of be the, the ebb and flow yeah. of what mm-hmm. we talk about. Mm-hmm. I, that one stumped me. And I think it's because I, you know, in your head, you hear the word failure yeah. and, and you think like, oh my gosh, it was this awful experience. Yeah, it was so bad. Not, but... Um, and, but that's not what failure is. Like, no. but somehow that's where my, my brain went, oh my gosh, this awful experience. And and when I think of failure, I don't, I think there are always plenty of things where I look at and go, oh, it was so much better in my brain than, than how it played out. But I don't know that I would call it a failure. I would call it more of a, of a learning curve. Well, and that's how I look at failures. More of like something that you grow, <laughs> you, you come out of it and you've grown from it. And it yeah. Was, it it might've been something hard or. So what I will tell you, and, and this is. You know, I don't, and again, I don't even know really how to answer that because it's so, I feel like we are seven months old as, as of this month for the studio. Sure. And we have experienced such growth mm-hmm. and, and I always tell our members that when something new is being implemented to bear with us and extend grace, because yeah. it's a learning curve for all of us. And I kind of feel like we do that every day. It's not so much a failure, but knowing that you want to have the best possible experience and grow from the experience, whether it's what you thought it would be or it's it's that experience that you go, yeah, that's not where I thought we were going to go, but wow, look at how we ended up where we did. Mm-hmm. I think we're all kind of always saying that to people. It's like, yeah. you know, it's not, it's being fluid. It's really kind of setting aside the expectations. And I've learned through the course of my life that holding this space requires the ability to to say this this might go this direction and it might go this direction. If we somehow land at either or or maybe in the middle, it's going to be a win win regardless. And and I think that is 
not a failure for the space or a learning curve, but a learning curve of my life is looking as a social worker and engaging people and engaging the notion of what community looks like. Part of that learning curve is being able to effectively communicate. And when I don't effectively communicate, it's very evident and kind of the trickle down effect of going, oh, I should have, I should have maybe handled that better or maybe presented it differently. So it's, Every day is a learning curve if you I, I Yeah, I agree with you. So what what about a success maybe in the last seven um, months of... I So no. I will tell you, as a business owner, and, you know, and this is one of those things that, you know, even Ashley, when I had talked with her back when she was starting her business mm-hmm. there in, in Plain City, one of the things was the she was using an online scheduler. Um, and a lot of people use online schedulers and systems because it's it's easier. Yeah. I think as a business owner, when you start shopping around, you look and go, oh my gosh, that is a crazy amount of money. Why am I going to spend that for an online system that I don't even get to own? Yeah. And my husband graciously was like, April, I'll, I'll keep track of things I'll do. He, so he's an engineer by trade. He graciously comes to the table and is like, I will help you with this. I'll do this. Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking, oh, okay. But there was this feeling that I kept, it was this nudge. It was this, this kind of unsettledness where I kept thinking, wow, that is such a huge commitment of time. And out of respect for my relationship with him as my, my husband and my, my best friend, somebody who I I really enjoy spending time with, Mm -hmm. did I want him spending all of that extra time doing my books right, when, um, can- when I could, I could just pay for a system. And so I reached out to two other yoga business owners that I, I dearly love and respect. And, and the one said, you know, starting out, this is the system I used. It was a really, it was a great system because you're going to find that you're not going to, to want to keep track of all those pieces of paper, all those little details, the spreadsheets, like, Let's, it is well worth your time and finances to just jump for one of those systems. And we did in hindsight, in light of the pandemic, in light of, of being protective of our time and energy, those boundaries that go into running a business. I am so grateful that we did because it keeps track of all the little details of things that honestly, I, I don't, I don't want to necessarily have my hands in every day. Yeah. I want to go love on people. I want to be in the space. I want to teach. I want to hold that space. I I don't want to be updating a spreadsheet to say these 20 people came to class today. Yeah. So that is the one success. And I would encourage anybody from a, from a time management standpoint, even if you can give it it, in terms of you doing it yourself, there really is something to be said that if you could, yes, tool delegate to and there's several out there there's a lot of financial price points that you can fall in but that would be the one success i would say strongly encourage because you can do your waivers your scheduling various services it just it makes my life much easier sounds good i have to keep that in mind (laughs) if i ever do that a piece of advice or a piece of wisdom that you could give our listeners? So I think the piece of advice I would give is, and and this was, this was the part that in the wake of our loss, 
there were there were always things from the outside world flooding in. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of times you you would feel when things weren't congruent. You would feel when there was these push pulls and and it didn't always leave you feeling good and it would make you question kind of who you who you are. Yeah. And so when we developed the logos mm-hmm. for both He Who Laughs and Anahata Mosaic, the marketing team that we worked with, she's also a dear friend of mine. Mm-hmm. She was a very good encourager of telling me to be true to what my intention was and to make sure that my logos matched what the intention was that I was always going to carry out no matter the course of the, the duration of that yeah. service. And so having logos, having a brand, having even a, a community of people around you that will, that will have hard conversations with you and say, Hey, that sounds like a really great idea, but is that really true to, to kind of who you are, to who he, who laughs is to who on a hot mosaic is, is, is there somebody else that could better serve that? Um, yes, people will want to partner with you, but is that, is that true to you? Mm-hmm. Is that true to your intention of that mental and physical wellness? Is it true to being a community? And, you know, I, that is probably the best piece of advice is having somebody come to the table and, and hear me talk about these things, but then go, that sounds really great, but is it true to your brand? Is yeah. it true to, to what you set out as your intentions? Wow. And, and I think early on, it's always easy to be swept away and going, Hey, look, these people want to work with me. They want this or that. Mm-hmm. But if it's not true to who you are or what you're trying to intentionally, sow, it's not going to make you satisfied. Yeah. And so I, I'm really grateful that with the committee members on he who laughs, um, the individuals, um, the instructors, the community members at Anahata Mosaic that, really in both places, we have people that go, yeah, that's great. Or, Mm -hmm. Hey, maybe not, maybe not right now. Maybe that's not really what you're trying to do. And I, that would be the one piece of advice I would give people to just say, it's, it's okay to say no, Mm -hmm. be true to what you're cultivating and sowing because that's where you're going to find the greatest reward. Yeah. Speaking of your nonprofit and you were talking about your committee. So yeah, how did that all play out? Did you, how, how did you find the committee or did they come to you? How, how did that play out? So our committee members are individuals that are very close to us. Mm-hmm. And they are those um, that they are very dear friends. Um, some is family. But the, the most important part is, is that even in these close knit relationships, they are people that I and my husband trust wholeheartedly. That if we, again, if we weren't true to our intention of what the Memorial Fund is for, these, you know, these individuals would have no issue in saying, I know you want to help, but is this the right way to do this? Holding you accountable, that, kind of in a sense. And that's why we did it, is that we wanted people, we we know that grief is messy. And we know that sometimes grief can, can skew your thoughts a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we wanted... We wanted individuals who knew where our hearts were and knew that we wanted a far reach to help other people be well, that they, 
that, you know, even on a bad day, you, that mm-hmm. there's still hope, you know, that it's just a, it's a bad day. It's not a bad life. Yeah. And these individuals have throughout the course of our life been very involved with us on, on one level or another. They come from a very diversified background. We have a teacher, a registered dietitian, um, an educator, um, somebody from a church, um, a nurse, we have a marketer. So, so we have all of these, these backgrounds to one, not only make us accountable, but to provide us with a different lens so that when requests for help come in, or when we're looking to, to partner with an entity or we're applying for a grant, you know, we, we have this multifaceted lens that tells us like, Hey, did you think about this? Did you think about that? Mm-hmm. And, and it's wonderful because a lot of them also, because we meet in the yoga studio are aware of kind of the, the co-influence between the two. It's not just being accountable for the nonprofit, but it, I really think it's about being accountable as people. Yeah. And what we're trying to sow in our life in that, you know, we, we really just want to encourage people that we, we can be better humans. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and I appreciate it because some of those individuals, you know, are instructors or members of the yoga studio also. And so I, I think for them, it's, it's also the lens of going, wow, not only do I get to co-chair this committee, and, and help with that component. But then I also get to see how it trickles over into a community sense that it is, it's, it's not just selling a service. It's actually living it. Right. It's being it in the flesh and recognizing the significance of being both mentally and physically well. Mm-hmm. Wow. So cool. While we wrap this up, where, where can listeners find you and your nonprofit? And if yeah. you just want to. So for, I will start the nonprofit, He Who Laughs. It's He Who Laughs, Championing Mental Wellness, but you can go to hewholaughs.org. You can read about our story. You can see pictures of Isaac. There's also for individuals, I point this out, from a resource perspective, there is a resource page, not just the things that we assist with financially for assistance, but different resource things online in regards to grief. Megan Devine has a wonderful resource guide for individuals, and she's a um, psychotherapist that I, you know, her writing, her book, It's Okay to Not Be Okay, was instrumental in helping us hold our space moving forward after Isaac died. So those things are on there and it's, it's, it's wonderful. We also have a Facebook group um, that's a public group called He Who Laughs Championing Mental Wellness, where we encourage people, whether it's a human loss or you're, you're just struggling and you need connection, whether it's quote, whether it's research, um, whatever it is, we, we funnel a lot of things through the actual group and, and cultivate. It's probably sitting at, I don't know, maybe close between 850, 900 individuals. So it's lots of people um, to, to connect with. And then the yoga studio, you can find us on Instagram at Anahata Mosaic. And then we also are on Facebook. And then you can find us online at anahatamosaic.com. And that summarizes for you our classes, our services. Um, it tells you price points. And it also allows you then to sign up for an account if you want to come visit us. Every Thursday at six o'clock, we actually partner with my employer, um, who I work with PRN as a hospice social worker to do a yoga for wellness. So it's yoga for caregivers that is absolutely free. 
and individuals just would need to go online and sign up and sign a waiver and they can come see us. But it's a nice way that if you're not sure about the space or you're not sure that you're ready to to venture out regularly, it is kind of a nice way to dip your toes in the water and and come out to be well. Yeah. Wow. So is there anything else that you would like to share? No, I, I have enjoyed this very much. Thank you for reaching out and inviting me to come sit with you. And um, I'm excited. My husband was downloading your um, podcast stuff last night because he was like, I can't wait to hear. Oh, that'll, that'll be fun. Yeah, I can't wait for your episode to, to air. And thank you so much for just taking time to come mm-hmm. out. I'm sure it will help so many people. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much. Thank you. We all have a purpose and we have dreams to follow. To learn more about other women and their stories and their dreams, like and subscribe. Until next week, be a blessing to others.